welcome to day 81 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of scripture. And uh, we have deeply enjoyed the images uh, where God brings uh, his people to the foot of Mount Sinai and enters into a covenant with them. He invites them into the wonderful privilege of being his treasure possession. He gives them the responsibility of being to him a nation of a holy priest uh, to represent him to the rest of the nations. Uh, and of course, that is a call that we have as a church to deeply enjoy our work, our relationship with the Lord, but also to represent Him in the world where we live so that others see His majesty and His glory in our community and in us uh, as we work and live. We come to a really disappointing point in the Exodus story. Uh, even as Moses is up on the mountain receiving the law and in the presence of God, the people uh, have turned away from God. Uh, his long absence leads them already to panic. And uh, this is one of the, the stark moments in, in all of Scripture uh, as they uh, turn from the worship of the living God so quickly after they have promised to do everything that is told them. And, of course, the greatest command of that was to uh, honor his name and then to have no images uh, made of anything in all of creation. And we see them so quickly turning from him. So before we read this uh, disappointing moment in the history of Israel, Let's uh, offer ourselves. By the way, I'm Paul Camp here with uh, Cindy Camp and David Keefe and Matt Kresge uh, as we read it. Let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Cindy, do you mind lifting us up? No, I don't mind. Father, thank you for um, this time in your word. Thank you that we can pull away, Father, and look to your word. Um, ask that your word would speak to our hearts, that it does the work that it does so well in convicting of sin, but also encouraging us and the gospel. And so, Father, while this might be exactly that encouraging, uh, discouraging scriptures as we look at failure, Father, we're encouraged by the fact that you've provided a way for us, and that way was through your Son, Jesus Christ. So we thank you for that. And so be with us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Exodus chapter 32. <clears throat> when the people saw that Moses was now so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. It's for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt. We don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, it is with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off of the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. 
Remember your servant Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I'll give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down the mountain with two tablets of covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. Tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There is a sound of war in camp. Moses replied, It is not the sound of victory. It is the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hand, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, What do these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Do not be angry, my lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to them. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave, it to, gave me the gold, and I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. Moses saw the people were running wild, and Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the, the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You've been set apart to the Lord today, for you are against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you to this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You've committed a great sin. But now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf that Aaron had made. Incredibly disappointing moment in the history, in the history of Israel. Mm-hmm. And of course, you see a lot of uh, you know a lot of the shades of uh, the Garden of Eden as um, Aaron is confronted in the sin and uh, begins to blame the people for what they have you know what they have done. And of course, in the first part of the chapter, we were told that the. Uh, uh, calf was made with a tool, and of course Aaron wants us to believe that he just threw the earrings in the fire and out became a calf. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets uh, the credit at the end, though. This is the calf that Aaron had made uh, in the last absolutely. verse. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. It's just a frustrating account. No, it is. Well, I mean, we read this, and um, I mean, there, there's so much we see. Both we're learning about about who God is and how he re- will respond to this c- circumstance, but mm-hmm. also just who the people still are. You know, that mm-hmm. this great act of redemption and deliverance hasn't completely transformed them overnight into sinless people. We've watched, we've watched them grumble. We've mm-hmm. been reminded of uh, time and time again of this command from the Lord to, mm-hmm. you know, my people must obey. They must do all that I call them to do. Um, but But just how quickly, you know, things go from Moses going up the mountain, he's up there, and all of a sudden, you know, just... Within hours, right? It's, huh, 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, and and you almost have this just kind of going back to let's go back to what we knew in Egypt. You know, let's go back to these these mm-hmm. gods that we can see and touch and and. No, there's there's no doubt. Of course, you know we we didn't touch on this in our last you know podcast, but you had, you know, the wonderful images. You know, as uh, you're having you know this moment with the elders in the presence of God, and then Moses goes up onto the mountains for six days, which is reflective of creation, and then uh, he's in the mountain, you know, for for forty days, which you know is is reflective of the forty days that Jesus went into the wilderness, and and of course in both uh, Matthew and in Luke, as soon as Jesus comes down from temptation or from the wilderness from temptation he comes into the presence of people you know you know to teach them and here when you come down you have uh you know you have the people i love the way the conversation takes place between you know um moses and joshua and joshua said well it sounds like war down there and and of course it sounded like a celebration of someone who had just won a war and moses said to him no that that's not the sound of victory it's the sound of utter defeat it's singing you know, to another God. And we started out, you know, with the song of uh, mm-hmm. Moses and Miriam earlier this week and talked about singing and dancing as a wonderful expression of childlike joy in the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and here we see, you know, that uh, transferred to another God dancing before him, not in childlike pleasure, but probably in revelry. All of this is, is, is way out of way out of hand mm-hmm. um, as they come down. And you hear another, you know, little, you know, echo of what we've heard before you know immediately after the fall or in the wake of the fall you know god looks at the people and he said every inclination of their heart is only evil all the time Mm -hmm. and things have not gotten better (laughs) with the people even though they've been brought into this covenant so in verse Mm 9 god says i've seen these people they're stiff-necked people Mm -hmm. leave me alone and let my anger burn against them now we even saw, you know, in the in the giving of the Ten Commandments, part of what God spoke of was He was a, a jealous God, and and obviously seeing the hearts and the affections of the people going towards these other gods. Which you gotta love that scene with Moses where he comes back down and he just throws it back in the fire, burns it down to nothing, throws it in the water, and makes the people drink it. Like this is your God. Look how pathetic your God was. He he's gone, um, and um, obviously deeply convicting, you know, because. I guess, believe it or not, we still have idols today, right? That things that we give our hearts and our affections and our emotions our affections, to, yeah. and mm-hmm. and so often they're they're just as transient and just as pathetic. And as of course, this you know, some of those things that you know capture our affections are very good things. But when really good things become ultimate things, then we we, we have found ourselves, uh, you know, in uh, in idolatry. And, and so you have Jesus' words are very, you know, very sharp, you know. Anyone who come at, after me, say his father and mother, his sister and brother, his wife and children, and yes, even his own life, or he can't be my disciples. In other words, our love for him has to be bigger, even than those really, really good things. And to our embarrassment, a lot of things that capture our affection are not even as worthy as wife and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I mean, part of me is thinking, well, they went 40 days. Like, that that's a pretty good run, potentially. But knowing my own heart, it, it is often just minutes or even hours that my heart's affections are no. fixated on so many other things. So I can look at them and <laughs> so quickly be like, oh, my gosh, guys. But they, I'm oh, my goshing myself <laughs> when, I, when I look at Israel here. Yep. Yeah. And I've always liked the image, you know, stiff-necked people. That's an agricultural term. Yeah. I had horses when I was younger. 
and uh, occasionally a horse that doesn't want to take a bet will bow its neck so that you can't <laughs> you know put a bet on it and uh, uh, the same would be true of an oxen he would resist you know he would resist the yoke uh, and so there's the people that resist you know uh, the invitation to be in yoke with God and to or as Jesus said to learn from him because he's gentle and humble in heart well I um Saw the, saw the part later in the chapter where uh, Moses does go up to um, he tells the people I will go up and you know, see what I can do um, about the situation with yeah, the Lord but he goes up yeah, and he does he said I will go to make atonement for your sin um, but it, he tells in 32 please forgive their sin if not then blot me out of the book that you've written and while we do appreciate Moses as a mighty man of God here um Moses is not enough, you know, no. to make for the atonement of sin, yeah. and yet Jesus is the greater Moses in all no, of this. No yeah. doubt. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul would say the same thing. I could almost wish myself accursed, you know, for my people Israel, uh, and, and a part of it. But uh, Paul was not a worthy a sacrifice, yeah. nor was Moses a worthy sacrifice. And, mm-hmm. and you know, God's response to Moses in that particular instance: <laughs> "Calm down, Moses. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll decide who's in, and I'll decide exactly. who's out, yeah. and I, I will punish you know on on my own terms." Mm-hmm. We probably ought to deal with you know kind of the theological difficulty in the passage. Yeah. Uh, you know, did uh, Moses change you know God's mind? Mm-hmm. And uh, we put this really in the same category we would you know in God's test you know to Abraham. You know, did uh, right. uh, you know? Did God finally find out what was in Abraham's heart? You know, by that moment. Uh, but this, this is a place that uh, you know God is you know testing, uh, you know Moses as well, uh, with a possible future that we could just blot this out or start over. And how will Moses respond to this? And he does respond in a way, you know, that is reflective, uh, you know, of, of of the deep grace. Uh, you know, the God has is, is called for us as, as, as leaders to remember your promises and to have great mercy on on us. So and God in his, his sovereignty is not you know, changed by this moment. In this moment, he, he tests Moses, and Moses responds in a way that is you know, reflective even of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that with that contrast between Moses and Aaron throughout the chapter where, you know, mm-hmm. the people yeah. come to Aaron and, he participates in the sin of the people, and in mm-hmm. fact, like I mean, he he himself is is sinning right along with the people. But mm-hmm. you know, God tells Moses, you know, I'm ready to just destroy this people, and Moses begins to plead on behalf of the people according to God's character. And then again, when Moses comes to Aaron, Aaron says, "You know how prone these people are to evil. You know, not me. He, he can't even see his, himself included yeah. in that. <clears throat> and yet, still, Moses saw the people were running wild, and Aaron had let them get out of control." You know, and and they became a laughing stock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, their their behavior is not reflective of a, a God of grace and mercy and uh, you know dignity and holy and holiness and majesty and uh, they become a laughing stock. You know the people around them, uh, and it reminds us. You know, if, you know, Paul saying to the Corinthians, "You're doing things that even make pagans blush," yeah. and, and of course that's what's happening here. And the Levites are called upon. You know, to uh, you know Moses even as he's pleading for the people, recognizes the severity of the sin calling for punishment Mm -hmm. and uh, calls on the Levites to do that. And and that's a horrifying passage to us. Mm -hmm. Do you realize that, you know, 3,000 people out of the million of people who had, you know, taken this thing a little bit further come under the judgment. And, of course, Mm -hmm. most of them are, you know, spared because of Moses' intercession. And and a God who is willing to, we don't see the clear picture of it, but a God is willing to... uh, 
receive an offering of atonement. Mm-hmm. Moses, mm-hmm. as Cindy has pointed out, was mm-hmm. not the man. No. Neither was Paul the man, neither any of us mm-hmm. uh, able to make atonement for our own sin, but there would be one who, who would. Yeah. David, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? No, let's pray. And Father, um, we thank you for passages such as this that not only point to the, the grievousness of our sin and, and our idolatry and our heart's desire to, to quickly wander from you, but passages like this also re- remind us that there was one who did provide atonement for sin. And that's the, the true and better Moses, who is Jesus, your son. And mm-hmm. so we thank you for him. Help our hearts to be renewed and be refreshed in the wonderful news that though our, our sin is so very real, um, that the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf is so much more real. And so we thank you for the wonderful news of Jesus, um, the one that saves us from our sins. Mm-hmm. Help us to uh, marvel at that today and for our hearts to be renewed and restored in that good news. We pray this all in his name. Amen. Amen.